What is up, Jets fans, and welcome to the first unofficial recording of the Jet Out podcast. Uh, well, I'm sure 99% of you out there know who I am uh, that are listening to this. Uh, my name is Yoni Krakow. I am a long-suffering New York Jets fan, uh, and I want to use this uh, podcast as a platform just to share my thoughts on the team um, and give you guys some of the takes, some of the things I've been noticing uh, as the season goes by, off-season personnel, coaching, etc. Really, any anything that's Jets-related, I'm here to uh, give my take. Um, ultimately, I want to integrate some fantasy football into this podcast. Uh, that's another area of uh, expertise of mine. So as we go, we'll see how that goes. But for today, I'm going to start with a breakdown of uh, where the Jets are at this point in the year. We're, we're, we're at the bye week. The Jets have played eight games. It's the, the unofficial halfway point of the year um, with the 17-game schedule. Now we're actually a little bit less than halfway. But just wanted to take a minute and step back and see kind of where we are, what's happened to this point, um, and where are the Jets going to go from here and what can make uh, the, the team have a successful second half of the season. So to level said, the Jets are the Jets are a 2-6 football team right now. Um, they started the season with three straight losses to Carolina, New England, and Denver followed by an exciting 27-24 overtime win in Tennessee. Another back-to-back, uh, back-to-back losses to Atlanta over in London in the horrendous blowout by the Patriots. A win, surprising win, against the then top seed in the AFC Cincinnati Bengals. And then a loss on Thursday Night Football, another blowout uh, where the score was actually closer than what the game was um, last week to the Colts. So the Jets are 2-6. and six, uh, they're kind of they're they're obviously you never want to expect losing or be okay with losing, but as Jets fans, that's kind of what we've grown accustomed to over the years. So a two and six start, given that they had a new coaching staff, entirely new coaching staff, including a first-time head coach and first-time offensive coordinator, as well as a rookie quarterback, uh, and actually have had the most snaps played by rookies of any team in the league by a sizable margin. I mean, this this record and where the team stands is not all that surprising. So I want to take a look at um, Robert Sala and the coaching staff, the offense and the defense uh, separately, talk about what's happened to this point, basically focus on two questions. One, what's happened so far and kind of what if we were to give the the team a grade or that that grouping a grade for uh, this, to, to this point in the season, what would it be? And then what will be needed from that group to make the second half uh, a success? So... Starting out with Robert Sala, as I mentioned, I think that the, I think the season's been kind of as expected in terms of it being up and down. And Robert Sala's kind of kind of uh, gone with the team in that sense. And what do I mean by that? Uh, he has had some games where he looks where the Jets look good. They're coming out with energy. They've had a couple of surprising wins against um, generally considered to be good teams in Tennessee and Cincinnati. But he's also had a number of games where they've gotten, you know, kind of Adam Gase era-like blowouts uh, against the Broncos the, the, and the Patriots twice, as well as the Colts. Um, and also, uh, in, in addition to being blown out, it's just there have been times where the team has looked very uh, unprepared um, and unmotivated, specifically uh, against divisional opponents and specifically against veteran coaches uh, like Bill Belichick twice against the Patriots, Vic Fangio, the Broncos, and, and most recently um, Frank Reich to the Colts, a little less so. But 
Honestly, with the the biggest uh, the biggest indictment that I have on Robert Salas so far is a, is the point I was mentioning about the team coming out flat. I think that we've grown accustomed in the last couple of years, especially of Jets football, with the team starting the season, you know, one and six or zero oh and seven, seemingly every year, where the games are kind of over in the first half. Like you don't even get a chance to. You spend all week getting excited about the game, building it up, convincing yourself you have a chance. I know people listening to this, like, I'm sure I, I've told you during the week, that, like, I've yet again convinced myself that the Jets are going to win this game, only to be literally ready to turn off the TV at halftime or even before because they're, blow, they're getting blown out. And just looking back at their schedule against Carolina in week one, against New England in week two, against Denver in week three, against Atlanta in week five. Honestly, I'm just looking at every single one of their losses. The game was basically over at halftime. Like, or, and, and they went down either 10-0 or 17-0 seemingly in all of those games. At a certain point, in going into the Cincinnati game, I believe it was the Jets had uh, – the Jets literally had 65 yards of offense in the first quarter across their first six games. And seven points. I mean, that is that 65 yards of passing offense. I mean, that is virtually impossible to do in today's NFL. And I think, well, that speaks a lot to their young, the, you know, the young players on the team. I think that also goes a lot to coaching. And, and, and I think that's something that hopefully Robert Sal will get better at as the season goes on. But so far, I would say that's definitely been a disappointment. And another, another thing that I've been really surprised at watching Robert Sal is I think his body language has been a little bit questionable on the sideline. Um, from everything that you read, you read in the off season and everything that honestly you saw in those, with those San Francisco teams where he was the defensive coordinator. I mean, he was the epitome of the like fired up, jacked up energy, emotional coach on the sideline. I mean, there's a fan, there's a picture that was circulating a lot on like around the jets media world at the beginning, you know, when he was originally hired of a, a guy on the San Francisco coaching staff, literally having to hold him back during games. He was getting so excited and running on the field. And honestly, outside of um, the uh, the fourth down stop in the first half of the Bengals game, I have not seen Robert Sala like pump his fist, scream, yell. Like it, every time they're panicked him on TV, he just looks stoic. And I maybe there's something to that around uh, you know him being the head coach and feeling like he's got to stay more focused and and stay a little more level headed. And versus when he was only focused on the defense. I'm not really sure what exactly it is, but I would really like to see some of that energy on the sideline, even in games where they're losing. But again, you have to be competing early in the game and especially late in the game in order to get that energy. So I think overall, all things considered, obviously not success so far, but I would give Robert Sell a C plus. Um, how can, and so how can he, what can he do in the second half of the year to, to improve that grade and bring it as high as we can go by the end of the year? So I don't think there's a specific number of wins that the Jets have to get to, but there are, with nine games left, they have to, they have to, have to win a minimum of three games. And the schedule is fairly soft. There's game, they have games against, two games against Miami, who's actually behind them in the division right now, two and seven. They have a game against Houston, the worst team in the NFL. They have a game against Philadelphia, who at times has looked like a mess this year. The Jaguars, who are worse than them. Uh, the Saints, who who knows who they'll be starting at quarterback in week 14 when the Jets play them. And then they close out the season. Obviously, they have Buffalo this week, but then they close out the season against uh, the Bucks and the Bills, who, you know, those are both losses uh, at full strength. But at that point in the season, 
there's a chance that the Bucks and the Bills will be resting their starters, um, given that they may have locked up playoff positioning. So there's a chance the Jets could win those games as well. So, I mean, every game on the schedule, and this was not necessarily the case in the first half of the season, like every game on the schedule feels like there's a chance they, they can win outside of Tampa and Buffalo when they're, when they're playing their starters. So a minimum of three. But I would say that there's real upside for the Jets to get to four or five wins in, the, in this back half of the year and, and, and close out the year, you know, with a positive second half with good momentum going into, into 2022. Um, second thing is I think that, I mean, as it, as it is in football more than any other sport, like this, the game, the game begins and ends, the season begins and ends, and your team's success begins and ends with the quarterback. So Robert Sala's success this season is going to, be, going to be directly tied to the development of Zach Wilson, um, which will obviously be impacted by Matt LaFleur, um, the offensive coordinator, who I'll talk about in a minute. But they, the Jets have to put Zach Wilson into, a position, into positions that cater to his strengths. Now, obviously, we all know that he can make some of these special throws outside the pocket, uh, down the field, you know, improvisation, off-platform. Um, that's kind of been his call. That was kind of his calling card in, in college, and 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 the brief highlights that he's put together in the in the NFL, specifically that that Tennessee game where he had a couple of those deep uh, passes, including a, like a fifty yard touchdown to Corey Davis. That's been what Zach Wilson is best at. But where he's really fallen short, and where I really want to see improvement in this second half of the season, is him doing more of what we've seen. Mike White and Josh Johnson do in the last couple of games. And that is take what the defense is giving, giving you. Don't feel like you always need to go out and make the, the hero big time play, but be able to check the ball down to the running backs. They've got two good receiving running backs out of the backfield, as we've seen now in Michael Carter and Ty Johnson and use the guys, you know, use Jamison Crowder, who's a middle of the field, short yard specialist, like give, pick up five, six, seven yards, rather than feeling like you have, you got to chuck the ball downfield and always make a big play. And I think, the coaching staff and specifically Salah needs to do a good job, a, a better job of putting him in position and making sure that he understands the kinds of plays they need him to make in order to win. Um, another thing will be the development of the younger players uh, and continued development of the younger players. Like, like I said earlier, the Jets have played the most snaps. Had The Jets rookies have played more snaps than the rookies of any other team in the NFL by a wide margin. Um, and I think overall that the draft class is holding up well this year, but you want to, you want to continue to see those guys grow and develop in the second half of the year. And, and I think that's going to be ultimately what really makes us feel good going into next year. Um, and I, I think I've kind of touched on this a little bit, but ultimately the jet Salah needs to lay, like lay the groundwork of, of a, a quote unquote, I, I kind of hate this phrase. Cause like it's always used in the NFL media, but like a quote unquote winning culture. And what do I mean by that? Like the jets have to, the Jets have to – they got to win back-to-back games once in this second half of the year. They have to win a close game and pull one out in the fourth quarter, a couple more games out in the fourth quarter like they did against the Bengals and the Titans. They need to have a, a comeback victory. They need to and, – and, and, and ultimately they need to not have any more of these Adam Gase-era like blowouts where the game is over before halftime. Like those are the signs that the team is heading in the right direction. Those are what like normal NFL teams who are improving do, and that's what we really need to see from the Jets um, in the second half. So now I want to talk quickly and, and get, in, get, into the, get into it a little bit more deeper on the, on the offensive and defensive sides of the football. So, uh, so starting with the defense, I think the defense has kind of been, uh, you know, a tale of, of two parts this season. Um, you have the first, the first I, let's call them through the Atlanta game even, 
the first five games of the season where the Jets defense was clearly, you know, punching above their weight class. This is a team that was going in with a, the most inexperienced secondary in football. Uh, They're going into the season very shorthanded at linebacker. And really the only position of strength that they, they had was the defensive line, which, which took a massive hit when uh, the prize free agent Carl Lawson went out for the seat, went out for the season with a torn Achilles um, before the season even started. So, you know, during those first four games, they lost, they lost close, low scoring games that the, the scores were inflated due to, due to um, poor field position being given up by the, you know, the nine interceptions that Zach Wilson threw during that time. But they lost 19-14, a good game against the Panthers. They lost 25-6 against New England, where the, the score was really more lopsided than the defense played. And they, they lost 26 nothing to Denver, which, again, uh, was not an embarrassing performance on the, on the defensive end. They were, you know, when you score zero points, the defense is obviously going to be out on the field a lot and give up points. And even against Tennessee, they give up 24 points in an overtime game. Um, that was also a, a pretty good sign. And you saw different um, – you saw different uh, – units on the defense have good weeks at different times. You had, you know, the Tennessee game where the defensive line, which was, again, like I said, the, the, the best unit on the team, really get after Ryan Tannehill and pick up seven sacks. It looked like John Franklin Myers, who, who got a, a new contract uh, after that game, had three or four sacks, four games in the year. You had Quinn Williams, who was looking like he was starting to, to kind of bust out and become, become that force on the defensive line. Um, he's got four and a half sacks so far. Uh, and then, and then the secondary, which was really the the most picked on group this off season by you know the the, the Jets' own beat reporters and really the, the NFL media in general, um, and rightfully so given the lack of experience that they were going to. I believe the Jets going into the season, their entire cornerback room had nine total starts in the NFL, and eight of them were made by Bryce Hall, who was a rookie last year and missed missed half the season. So the cornerback room super inexperienced was playing above its head in, in, in those first few weeks. They held, they, they held, you know, lesser quarterbacks, I would say, like Sam Darnold, Mac Jones, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and even Tannehill uh, a bit in check. Um, and have really, the, the, that, that, those, they were doing well in the first half, that, that kind of first part of the season. And it's really gone um, a, bit, a bit downhill uh, in the second half. And those, in, or the second half of the first half, which is these last three games where they've given up the the worst of the of the three was the fifty four points they gave up to the Patriots, but then they gave up thirty one points in a win to Cincinnati, and then forty five points, which is also an embarrassing loss uh, to the Colts. So, I think that um, overall, at, again, just like Sala, just like this team, just like this season, the defense has really been up and down. They've showed they've had some signs where it looks like they're overachieving. Specifically, the cornerback room. It's good to see. C.J. Mosley back playing at linebacker uh, and playing to a really, uh, you know, basically to his pre-Jets uh, levels. He's re- he, missed, he missed the whole 2019 season with injury and then opted out of 2020 due to COVID. So it was kind of a wild card what he was going to look like when he came back. But ultimately, I think that he's probably been the best player on the defense so far. And that, that's, that's been a positive um, as well. So, again, like I said, up and down, uh, recently more down than up. Uh, I would grade the defense overall so far as a, a, a C. I think if I graded them after week five, given the personnel and the opponents that they played, I probably would have gone more in the B-plus range. But if I graded just off the last three games, we're looking at more like a D-minus F style. So this is Robert Sala's calling card. 
Um, so he should be able to help turn this team around in the second half. So getting to the second half of the season, like what can the Jets defense do to make the second half a success? Uh, and I think ultimately, I know I mentioned this before when talking about Robert Sala, but like they need to keep the team in games. I don't think the Jets are going to have the kind of dynamic offense, even if Zach Wilson starts playing up to his potential, it's going to score, you know, 27, 30 points a game. Uh, the defense needs to be able to keep opponents under 27 points where possible. They currently have the 32nd ranked overall defense, uh, which goes, you know, generally speaking, the, the rankings are done by total yards per game. The Jets are giving up over 400 yards a game on defense. That's got to get better. Um, I think that, that you want to finish the season kind of in that 22 to 25 range, which means that, you know, to average that out with being 32nd means you got to be about league average on the defensive side of the ball the rest of the way. Um, I think that you need to see Quinn Williams or John Franklin Myers have a second half that's worthy of them making the Pro Bowl. Uh, I think too often this year, we've seen Quinn and Williams disappear uh, for, and, and John Franklin Myers disappear for stretches. You have games like Tennessee where they look unstoppable. And then you have games like New England where, you know, you don't hear their name mentioned the entire broadcast uh, and you don't see them getting in the backfield. You don't see them pressuring the quarterback. In order for this team to be success, this defense to be successful the second half of the year, one or both of those guys has to play at a Pro Bowl level or above the rest of the way. Uh, another thing that I think needs to happen in the second half is Ashton Davis, last year's third round pick, really needs to emerge in that secondary as a as kind of a, a league average or a slightly below league average safety. Um, he has looked a bit lost at times out there, specifically in the in the Colts game, um, taking bad angles at receivers and running backs, specifically on the 80-yard Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Um, he really got burned on that play and 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 made the turn the play from like a 12 or 15-yard gain, you know, into an 80-yard touchdown. Um, he did force a couple of fumbles, and it's good to it's good to see him back out on the field, given how much time he's missed in these first two seasons. But in order for this defense to really feel like that, you know, the, the Jets are going to have a lot of holes going into the offseason, no matter what. And if they don't have, if they only need to get one new safety rather than two new safeties under the assumption that Marcus May is no longer with the team after um, suffering an Achilles, uh, torn Achilles and playing on the franchise tag this year. If they only need to get one starting safety as opposed to two, I just think Ashton Davis is a really, really key player um, that will also validate some of that 2020 speculation around Joe Douglas's 2020 draft class, which, which overall, which I'll hit on probably in another, another episode um, has been, highly, highly questionable to this point. Uh, I think there's also a couple of specific areas that I think the defense needs to improve, and that is against running backs in general. So I, and I mean that in two ways. So one is, you know, defending actual, you know, defending running plays, the standard definition, which is, you know, the Jets got gashed for over 250 on the ground by the Colts. Um, they get, but but where the Jets have really been burned this year, I think, is by uh, screen passes. Um, and you saw it in games with guys like Jeremy McNichols with uh, with the um, the Titans. You saw it with Cordero Patterson uh, in the Atlanta game. You saw it specifically in that second New England game where you know Brandon Bolden was just running up and down the field on the Jets like there's a. a Thirty-one-year-old special teams player. I mean, they, they, and and then against Cincinnati, you had Joe Mixon with a big forty-yard catch down the field. And then obviously, you had the the Indianapolis game, which was kind of the culmination of this 
awful effort that they've put forward against running backs. So you've had some really, really, there's, there's nowhere to go but up from here, but I think they really need to scheme up ways to defend screen passes better, you know, play better against the run, and that's going to come a lot from uh, more consistent defensive line play, but also really uh, better play from the, the linebackers not named C.J. Mosley. Um, Jared Davis in the two games since he's been back has been atrocious. So I really think that they need to be more consistent, play the run better, and improve, uh, and improve against screen passes in order to, to, to have the second half be a success. Um, now for a little bit more of the, the fun side of the ball, the offense. Um, I think that the, the offense, you know, the, like I said before, and I don't want to repeat myself too many times, but the offense begins and ends with Zach Wilson. So like we've seen so far, he is not – I mean, he overall just has not been great uh, this year. I mean, he's made some plays, like I mentioned before, the – couple of deep throws down the field. Some of these off-platform, out-of-the-pocket throws have been uh, really good. But overall, his stats, I mean, he's, he's thrown for across, uh, you know, basically, let's call it five-plus five games, five games in a quarter. He's thrown for 1,100 yards, four touchdowns, nine interceptions. He's completed 57.5% of his passes um, with a 6.5 yards per attempt um, and, and a quarterback rating of 63 and, and uh, QBR of 28. Every single one of those numbers is in the bottom five in the league for uh, guys who have started as many games as he has. So he really needs to, across the board, he's got to be completing more passes, which is going to come a lot from uh, taking what's given rather than always going down the field, dumping it off to the running back, dumping it off to Jamison Crowder or shorter passes. He needs to decrease his number of interceptions. Again, all of these kind of flow around the same, uh, the same decision-making traits that he's seemingly lacked so far in the first few games. So he's got to cut down the interceptions. And then, and, and, and I think both of the, by, by making those kind of changes, he'll have more games where he starts to look like, he's not going to look like Mike White, where he's dumping off the ball three yards down the field uh, on every play, but he's not going to look like the Zach Wilson we've seen in the first five games. We need to see some, something in the middle where he uh, gets better at taking what the defense is giving him without losing what makes him such a special quarterback, which is those out-of-pocket, you know, deep, deep off-platform plays. Um, I also think uh, that, you know, Zach Wilson was a guy who was not a bad running quarterback in college. I think he, I believe he ran for over 300 or 400 yards uh, in his, his, the season before he was drafted. And we have seen in, in, so far in the first, uh, in his first few, in his first five games, he's run the ball a grand total of eight times for 22 yards. I mean, for a guy who is as mobile and athletic as he is, I know he's not the biggest guy, so you don't want to expose him to the risk of big hits outside the pocket, but he's got to get, he's got to pick up a couple first downs a game with his legs and make that be a, a credible threat that defenses are preparing for. He's, he's more than capable of doing it. I think it's a matter of um, having the confidence to run, being, being LaFleur and Salah giving him the confidence that he should run when he gets out of the pocket, but also scheming up, you know, some bootlegs, some more, some of those read option plays, plays where you can get him running outside of the pocket that, that allow him to pick up, you know, anywhere from 10 to 30 yards a game. I think that's, that's a pretty safe floor and kind of a, a baseline number that many, most of the mobile quarterbacks in the NFL can hit these days. So I think improved decision-making, taking more of what the defense is giving him, getting, getting some more, getting out there more on the run in every game. I think those three things will allow uh, the offense to really step up and, and, and kind of be at, take it to the next level and average that, you know, 23, 24, 25 points a game um, in the second half of the year. 
Uh, I think that another thing that the Jets have done pretty poorly so far, uh, especially at the beginning of the year, was the, the way that they were using personnel groupings. Uh, I think they had a lot. There was a lot of uh, a lot of packages that they were putting on the field where they were using multiple tight ends at the expense of using multiple running backs and multiple wide receivers. Uh, the Jets tight end group is one of the weakest on the team with Tyler Croft, who's now on IR, Ryan Griffin, uh, Daniel Brown, who was traded. I mean, it was just a weak group of players and it, it wasn't catering to the strengths of the offense to be using multiple tight ends as frequently as the Jets were. Um, I know that that's part of the kind of the Mike Shanahan, San Francisco defensive system. So it's one of those situations where you need the coaches to coach to the talent that they've got rather than to the scheme that they'd like. Um, and I think Michael Floor has done a much better job of that um, since moving up. Uh, you know, there was, there was, so Michael Floor, there was sideline Michael Floor, who was on the, you know, when, when Zach Wilson was playing, coached from the sideline up through, I believe, the New England game. And then there's been Booth Michael Floor, who's been, uh, and, and I honestly am not sure whether I've been calling him Mike or Matt. I always get these two guys confused. But yes, no, our guy's Mike. Matt is the Green Bay, Green Bay head coach. Good, I had that right. Um, but yeah, so since Michael Floor has gone up to the booth, I really think that there's been a big improvement in his in his coaching, and we've seen it as the Jets have put up 30 points in back-to-back games for the first time, and who the hell knows how long. Um, I also think the the running game, uh, the running game has left a lot to be desired. I think the running backs have played well, largely as a result of their work, uh, their work out of the backfield catching passes um, with both Ty Johnson and especially Michael Carter really making an impact so far this so far this year. Um, but that being said, the Jets have not had a player rush for more than 77 yards in a game this year. And in every game other than two, their, uh, their highest running back yardage total has been under 50 yards. That's got to change. You need a little bit more balance. You need to take some of the pressure off of Zach Wilson. And I think ultimately – if the Jets continue to just dink and dunk with screen passes, eventually teams are going to start to take take that away, and that's kind of an extension of the running game. They're going to need to adjust and adapt to uh, to make sure that they can they can handle those kinds of things going into the second half of the season. Um, and again, I think they they also need to um, they need to continue to be creative. And I think that to be create. So I would call it two things: one is creativity, but two is getting the balls into the right play into your playmakers' hands. So. Again, since Michael Floor has gone up to the booth, uh, as he did against Cincinnati and uh, Indianapolis, I think that the creativity, both the creativity and the getting the ball into the into your explosive player's hands, has been something that's clearly been a focus of his. They just have tried a couple of trick plays. They've done some uh, a lot more pre-snap motion. They've gotten Elijah Moore, arguably their most skilled offensive player, even though he's only a rookie, uh, on some jet sweeps, and 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 really just tried to make sure that the ball is in the hands of playmakers. And again, you, you see guys like Michael Carter forcing a lot of missed tackles. Elijah Moore, like I mentioned. I think Corey Davis has had his up and down moments, a lot of too many drops, but he's another guy. You want to just force the ball into the hands of your playmakers. Um, and I think that that's something that LaFleur has done a much better job in these last two weeks. And I think, well, that'll be, that'll be a way to, uh, to, to also beef up the, the offense as we move into the second half of the year. Um, if I was to give the offense a grade for where we've, what we've done so far, I would say a C minus. Again, a lot of C's across the board for the coaching staff, the offense, and the defense. Um, I know it's been better the last couple of games, but you can't sugarcoat how bad those first 
six games were uh, outside of maybe the Tennessee game. Um, but th- there's a lot of room for improvement here, and I think that this, the offense is going to take a big step forward as we, as we move forward the second half of the season. So to wrap up, just want to walk us through the rest of the schedule and give my, my second-half predictions as to where the Jets are going to end up. So there are nine games remaining. I'm just going to go through them one at a time and talk about what I think is going to happen. So I think Buffalo next week, obviously, that one of the best teams in the AFC, regardless of the fact they lost the Jaguars this week. That's a loss. You've got next, you have Miami at home. I think that this is a game that the Jets have to win and they will win. Um, I know that Miami is probably looking at that game and thinking that that's a game that they're going to get as well. So dangerous for to, to, it's always dangerous to predict a Jet win against a bad team, but I think the Jets will get it done there. They play in Houston the next week. That's a game, the Jet, again, the Jets have to win that one as well. I think they'll be able to pull that one out against an inferior Texans team. Uh, they play the Eagles uh, at home. That is a game. I mean, the Eagles are a mess right now. Their defense has played a lot better, but that offense, uh, it, 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 Jalen Hurts simply is not a particularly good, uh, it's not a particularly accurate or good quarterback. He's excellent running the ball. It's good for fantasy, but he is not a good real life quarterback. The Jets, that's the kind of game that if you're an ascending team, the Jets have to win. So I know it's a crazy thing to say, but that would be three wins in a row. I think they play, then they play the Saints at home. Um, even though the Saints, could be starting Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon, one of the two at quarterback. I, I think that the Saints are just going to outmatch, are just too much of a mismatch for the Jets defensively. I think they'll lose that game. They play at Miami in, in Miami uh, after that in week 15. I'll call, I'm going to call that one a loss. There's no way that the, the Jets have just not been good in divisional games the last few years. Um, and I think a split with Miami is more re- realistic than winning both games. So we'll give them a loss there. Um, they play at home against the Jaguars, matchup of the number one and number two overall picks. I think that the Jets trending in the right direction, having won you know three out of their last five coming into that game, they get another win at home, um, pushing them to six wins. And then for now, I've marked the last two games of the season, Tampa Bay and Buffalo, as losses. But if one or both of those teams is locked up playoff positioning by the time we get to those games, I could definitely see the Jets pulling one or both of those games out. So with those both marked as, as losses, that puts the Jets at 6-11. and 11. Um, I think kind of what we all expected coming into the year, if they're able to finish really strong and pull out a, a game or two here that I haven't listed them as and get to seven wins, I think that would be a massive, massive accomplishment for this team. So overall, up and down first half of the season for Robert Sala, the offense and the defense. The defense kind of playing better at the first part of the season of the season and not so great in the last three or four games, the offense kind of the reverse um, as Zach Wilson got hurt. Um, I think that the second half of the season and really the team in general will live and die by the success of Zach Wilson. So hopefully he's going to have a great second half uh, and we're going to win a couple of games, maybe three or four more games in the second half. And will make us not root for them to lose uh, until we get to those last couple weeks of the season. That's always a win for us as Jets fans. So uh, thank, thanks to the, as, as, uh, as my friend Daniel likes to say, thanks to the three or four of you who are on for listening. Um, and I will be back with some more content soon.